Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Pedal Steel Podcast. I'm Brian Dast. I'll be your host. So just a little background about me. Uh, I've been playing pedal steel for about 11 years, and I'm lucky enough to say that it's part of my profession now. I'm a touring musician, um, playing mainly pedal steel, but also banjo, backing vocals, and sometimes guitar, bass, or other instruments. And when I'm not performing, I'm also a recording engineer. I co-own a studio here in Portland called The Magic Closet which opened in 2006. So I get to say that music is my profession, which is a pretty cool thing. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about what this podcast is about and who it's for. This is really aimed at pedal steel players. Um, There will probably be a lot of overlap with uh, Steel Guitar Forum users, which is probably where you're finding this for the first time. Um, Some of the things I'd like to focus on are gear and product reviews, uh, from accessories and learning materials to effects pedals, cables, amps, and, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. Also, I'll have an interview segment called Behind the Bar, where I'll be able to pick the brains of some pedal steel players. Um, I'd really like to make this podcast a community effort, so if you have an idea for a segment or you have a product you'd like me to review, or if you'd like to be interviewed yourself on the podcast, please don't hesitate to get in touch. My email address is pedalsteelpodcast at gmail.com, and I'm also on Facebook as The Pedal Steel Podcast. And I would also like to feature original music from some of you players out there, so if you've got a song you'd like played on the podcast, go ahead and send it my way. Uh, I'll probably play a song or two per episode. And I'm aiming to do about one show per month, though with uh, tour and work schedules, it, it might not be exactly monthly, but that's the goal. So let's get to our very first segment. Pedal Steel Podcast Product Reviews. All right, for our first product review, we are looking at a piece of software called RiffStation, which is basically a phrase trainer. Um, I heard about RiffStation on another podcast, and I was a little skeptical at first, I have to say. Um, phrase training programs I've used in the past have been kind of lackluster, buggy, and hard to use. Uh, but I have to say, this one is really well designed and it has some new features that I haven't seen in other programs. And it solves a lot of problems that I've had when I'm trying to learn material from a recording. So the first feature is independent tempo and pitch control. This is pretty standard in these types of programs. So it just lets you slow down the song if it, or a, you know, a specific part of the song if you're having trouble learning a really fast lick and you want to slow it down and listen note by note and kind of see what's going on. Uh, it also has independent pitch control, which means uh, you can change the key of the song. If you are learning a, a cover song but your band wants to do it in a different key, no problem, you just change the key. And you also have a fine-tune option uh, in case the original recording was not in concert pitch. Like a lot of older recordings uh, were recorded without electronic tuners, so they were just kind of going on, you know, whatever key the piano was in. So now instead of, you know, retuning the pedal steel or trying to play in between the fret markers, which can be really frustrating, you can just, uh, you know, tune the file so it matches you. You can save the audio in the new tempo and key Uh, or you can just save a session file, which will apply those settings to the original audio anytime you open the file. So you can use RiffStation as your playback device and practice device so that you don't have to, uh, you know, every time you make a change or experiment with different tempos, you don't have to save that audio if you don't want to. You can just leave it all there in RiffStation and save the session. Every time you open it, all those settings pop right back up. So let's listen to a couple of examples. This is uh, just real basic uh, pitch and tempo manipulation. So first I'll play a little bit of the original song. This is a song uh, from a band that I've played with for a long time. This is my music partner, Emma Hill from Alaska. Uh, If you like the song, it's at emmahillmusic.com is our website and everything's on iTunes and Bandcamp and all that stuff. Uh, This song is called The Keeper from a 2011 album called Meet Me at the Moon. So here's a little bit at the original tempo and pitch. Okay, and here it is slowed down a little bit. I'll never be the keeper. 
And just for fun, I sped it up a little bit too. And this version is back at the original speed, but one half step lower. So yeah, pretty good pitch and tempo processing algorithms. I like that you can adjust them on the fly. I used to have to do this kind of thing in Pro Tools and process a file and export it and you know all that stuff. And this is just a lot more straightforward. Uh, another feature I really like is automatic tempo detection and metronome click. So we'll actually look at your file and figure out what tempo it's in and give you a click that is actually pretty accurate. I'm, I'm really impressed with how accurate it is. In fact, I uh, asked the Rift Station guys if they could uh, figure out a way to export that as a MIDI file because I could totally use that when I'm trying to you know do some editing tasks in Pro Tools. Uh, so that may or may not be in the future, but... For this purpose, it's it's really great. One thing I've noticed is that sometimes it will detect it at double speed. So like, for instance, for this song, it detected at 140. So I, I was actually getting a click in eighth notes, which might be useful, but I prefer a click in quarter notes. So one of the feature requests I had for them was a, uh, a multiplier for the metronome. So you could click, you know, give me that, give me half that tempo or give me double that tempo. Or also maybe an offset where you could where you could move the click to be on just beats two and four or just on the upbeats uh, upbeat eighth note if you wanted to do that. So those may be uh, suggestions that they'll take into account for future versions. Uh, but just the the regular metronome works great. One thing that I noticed is that it is not included in rendered audio. So if you are trying to save a section or you know or, or the whole song and you have the metronome on. When you save that audio and open it in another program, the metronome click will not be there. So that may be something that uh, could be addressed as well. It might be nice to have that option. Another really handy function is loop playback. RiffStation uh, has already detected your tempo, so it knows where the beats are, which makes it fairly easy to loop a section of the song. You can just use the waveform zoom to kind of zoom in on the section you're interested in, find your start point, and then all you do is click and drag, and the program will calculate for you how many beats you've selected. So, you know, maybe 4, 8, 12, 16, or on and on. Of course, if the tempo was uh, detected incorrectly, like if it was uh, doubled, then the number of beats will be doubled too. One thing I noticed that I didn't really love was when clicking and dragging, uh, RiffStation will automatically recenter the waveform display and put the, the spot where you clicked in the center. It's actually kind of frustrating and disorienting because it's it's really easy to lose your place when you click in one place and then the waveform moves somewhere else. So I'm going to suggest uh, a revision for the next update to to just not recenter that. Uh, but once you've got your loop, it plays back really well. It's uh, you can turn the metronome on and have that going uh, to drill apart over and over. You can change the speed, work on that loop, then speed it back up to normal tempo until you have it nailed. Uh, there's even an offset setting, which lets you shift the loop start and end points together. So if there was a pickup note you wanted to include in the loop, you could adjust the start and end point to, uh, to include that pickup note while still keeping a consistent number of beats and bars. So here's an example. This is a loop uh, that is just right on the downbeat. Here's the version with the offset, which includes that pickup note. Okay, the next feature is called Jam Master. This is really cool. I think this is the real gem of the program, and it's really what kind of sold me on it. Um, there are a couple of videos on YouTube demonstrating it, and it, it's kind of cool to see it visually in action. So if you want to see those, Go to YouTube and search for Rift Station Isolate Tool. And uh, there are a couple of examples. There's a, a, a Jimi Hendrix song and a Strokes song where they kind of isolate the guitar and show you how to how to do that and how to manipulate it. So, But I'll describe it here. So using uh, intelligent controls, I think they're doing some kind of mid-side processing. Um, what it does is lets you scan the stereo sound field and kind of zero in on a particular instrument. In this case, we're going to be using the pedal steel. So uh, I noticed just listening to the song that the pedal steel is 
not quite all the way to the right, but it's somewhere between the center and hard right. So that's where I, I kind of scanned and I used the width and separation tools and the filter to really zero in on it. So I'm gonna play a little bit of the full mix and then transition into the isolated track so you can hear how detailed we can get, how close we can get. So that's pretty darn good. I gotta say, I've tried doing similar uh, processing just using plugins and Pro Tools and mid-side and phase tricks, and this does it really, really well. Um, one thing I should say is it, it's never gonna be a perfect process because it's not, uh, you know, we're working with a stereo file here. It's not like we have the multi-track versions of the songs and we can just solo the pedal steel and listen to that. Uh, but it's pretty darn good. Um, I'm also going to play a little bit of an example where I isolated the bass using that bass filter. So there you go. If you're having trouble picking out certain notes or you can't quite hear what the part is doing, you can use this feature to really let you focus in on a specific instrument. It also works with backing vocals and, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Now, of course, I was saying it's not a perfect process. The more instruments there are in a mix and the, the denser the arrangement, the harder it will be to really isolate one part because there's just more stuff going on. There are more instruments overlapping and occupying the same frequency ranges and the same stereo positions. And also reverb can kind of blur the lines a little bit because it, it sort of spreads things out across the stereo field. Uh, but this is definitely the best type of isolation I've seen in this kind of software. Um, older songs that were recorded in mono won't work as well since we don't really have a stereo field uh, coming into play at all. But some of the stuff recorded in the 60s that used extreme panning techniques, like a lot of stuff hard left and hard right, uh, will work great. Um, the Jimi Hendrix example they used in the uh, example video on YouTube is, is perfect. I mean, it's, it's almost like hitting a solo button on the guitar track. Uh, studio recordings will work better than live recordings. Like I have a, one of those Zoom H4N recordings and I'll record rehearsals and performances. It won't work quite as well for something like that because you've got all these room reflections inherent in the recording that will make it more difficult to really isolate one particular instrument in the stereo field. But you could still play around with it and you might get a good result. Now, another really cool feature in Jam Master is that once you've zeroed in and isolated that instrument, you can actually reverse the process and use it instead to mute out the part. So let's say you're trying to uh, transcribe a lead section, some pedal steel solo. You can use all the same settings you use to isolate the steel and just switch from solo mode to mute mode. And then now you've got a rhythm track with the steel part effectively removed or almost completely removed. So you can now play over it, the part you just learned, without hearing the original steel. So here's an example of that where I use those same settings to try and remove the steel part from this passage. So as you can hear, it does a pretty good job of removing the steel. You can still hear a little bit of a ghost of the steel because of the reverb. If you notice listening to uh, the rhythm track, the steel sounds now like it's behind the beat because you're hearing this kind of delayed uh, reverb with a tail to it. Uh, but for playing over, it works great. You don't hear, you don't hear so much of the other steel in there that it's distracting. So you can really play over it and concentrate more on what you're doing. Uh, the next feature is called chord viewer. And this is a really cool feature that will actually extract pitch information from your file and give you the chords, tell you what chords are playing in real time. So as the song is playing, you're seeing this little, uh, scroll along the bottom of the waveform that's telling you what chord is playing, what chord's coming up next. There's even a display uh, that shows you the chords on a guitar neck, you know, a chord shape diagram. Um, you know, I will say, I have a little caveat here. Uh, I think that transcribing songs by ear and writing your own chord charts is a really good musical exercise. I feel for me personally, it's really improved my ear over time and made it easier for me to, I mean, I, I'm a lot faster at it than I used to be, so it's made it easier for me to hear chord progressions in music which of course is great for your musicality, for sitting in with people, jamming with people, stuff like that. Now that said, having a little help from this program is nice 
It will certainly speed the process up, but I could see where it might become a crutch. So that aside, the function works really well. Um, a really nice feature is uh, the ability to set a capo position so that the chord names will automatically transpose for you. For example, the song we're using is in E flat, but uh, Emma uses a capo at fret three and she plays out of a C shape. So if I wanted to have this song display the chords for her, I could just set the capo to three, the chord names and diagrams will all change uh, and transpose to look like they're in the key of C. The chord detection is pretty impressive, not perfect. Uh, sometimes when the bass moves, Riff Station will, will kind of pick that up and think that the chord has changed when it really hasn't. But it's actually pretty easy to see when this is happening uh, just by looking at where the chords are spaced out and see like, well, that little one is probably just an error and you can just ignore those. But there's also the option to edit the chords uh, by right-clicking on the chord name bubbles and you can go in and actually change it or delete that chord and just extend the one before it. Uh, there are a couple of features I would really love to see as part of this chord detection. One would be the option to display the chords in the Nashville number system as scale degrees rather than as absolute note names. I prefer to write my charts that way. I think a lot of steel players do too. Uh, also, this would be amazing if RiffStation could export those chords, you know, because they have actually chord, tempo, and time information to be able to export that in a printable format, essentially writing the chart for you, or maybe export it in some kind of format that a program like uh, Band in a Box or iReal Pro could import, and then you could, you know, from there edit the chart to your liking. That would be very cool. I'm going to skip the Riff Builder function. Uh, that's a feature that lets, lets you cut out sections of songs and, and kind of assemble them in a different order. I don't really see myself using that feature, so I'm going to skip that for now. Uh, a couple more things I'll mention about RiffStation. They have a, a cool little section on their website. It's uh, RiffStation.com, and this particular part is at play.riffstation.com. And it lets you use just the chord detection feature on YouTube videos. Actually, you can search. You don't even have to go to YouTube. You search right from their page. Say you want to, you know, pull up a Tom Petty song. You just type in Tom Petty. It'll show you all the songs that are available. And as the video plays, you'll get that chord scroll along the bottom of the video. It's cool, but the standalone software is so much more powerful and you can do so much more stuff with it that I think a better option would just be to, you know, buy the program and buy the song and put it in a riff station. You're going to have way more control over it. But something I noticed on this YouTube feature, it does include chord displays for ukulele and piano, as well as guitar. So maybe that's a clue that uh, other instrument chord displays will show up in a later version of the software. Though I wouldn't hold my breath for a pedal steel chord display. <laughs> you know, it's just too, too complicated. So one nice thing about RiffStation is that it's made by a small company called Sonic Ladder. They're based in Ireland. When I approached them about reviewing the software on the podcast, I got a very quick and enthusiastic response. I mentioned the Steel Guitar Forum and the great community of players there, and they already knew all about it, which I think is very cool. Apparently, they've interacted with Steel Guitarists already. They even said that some of the feature requests I had were already in the works, which is great. And they generously gave me an install of the program to experiment with. That's how I made these uh, audio examples that you heard. And two copies to give away on the podcast. So here we go. To enter the drawing to win a copy of Rift Station, please leave a review of the Pedal Steel Podcast on iTunes. Once you've done that, go ahead and send me an email at pedalsteelpodcast at gmail.com uh, and give me your iTunes username so I can give you proper credit for the review. I'll choose two winners at random one week from the date this podcast is posted and winners will be notified by email and I'll also post it on the forum. But while you're waiting to see if you've won, I would encourage everyone to go check out the free demo version of RiffStation. You can download it right from their website, riffstation.com. It operates for 30 days, uh, but it just disables the save function. But you can still check out all the features, experiment with your own songs and audio files. And if you do decide to buy it, a full license, which can be installed on three computers, is $24.99. And it runs on both Mac and Windows. So just to wrap up my review of RiffStation, I'd say it's a great piece of software. I think it's totally going to transform the way I practice, especially when I'm learning, um, learning material from recordings. It's got some really game-changing features. The, the chord generation, the, uh, the isolation functions are just awesome. So highly recommend it. Go check it out. Behind the Bar. 
Okay, so welcome to our first interview segment, and uh, I want to introduce you guys to Matt Buto, who is a singer-songwriter here in Portland that I've been working with for about a year and a half, and uh, he's recently picked up pedal steel guitar. So I wanted to talk to Matt and kind of get a a perspective from a a musician who is new to the steel guitar and kind of get that side of the story. So Matt, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your musical background. How did you start playing music? Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, as I grew up playing at about, let's see, I started at about um, seven, kind of uh, learning Beatles songs and that kind of thing, and then taking regular lessons at eight or nine, and uh, did that for about 10 years, weekly lessons, and kind of got into uh, some classical and fingerstyle guitar stuff, and, and really got heavy into the, into the singer-songwriter um, style, and, and that's kind of what's been the driving force behind my music ever since. And so the pedal steel has been really interesting in, in, a, in a complete transition from that. So it's, it's been really cool to, to get into a complete new way of thinking about music. I wanted to ask, like, how you first uh, discovered pedal steel guitar? Because it's not one of those instruments that, you know, when you're a kid, people are like, well, do you want to play guitar, piano, violin? <laughs> Nobody says pedal steel guitar. Right, right. Yeah, and I think there's this common, you know, once you know about guitar and you start to hear slide guitar, I think people kind of think it's all just slide guitar. Mm-hmm. And even people who are big fans of, of country music and, and love that traditional pedal steel sound might not even know exactly what it is. And I think when I started to shift more from kind of the singer-songwriter, well, still staying in that, in that genre a little bit, but getting a little bit more folky, um, on a couple recording projects, about you know 2008, 2009, a few years back, um, wanted a little bit of slide guitar on it and experimented with that a little bit myself, and then just kind of started to explore how to get how to get session musicians on it, and and then with uh, with my last record that uh, that you were on, you know, almost all the tracks. By that point, I had been seeing people play pedal steel a lot and just fell in love with the sound completely, especially as a lead instrument. It just it's unlike any other sound. So. so what was the first time that you heard uh, or that you knew that that was a pedal steel guitar, that that was a different sound than a slide guitar? I'm not sure if I remember exactly. Um, I think that it was about two years ago when after I moved up to Portland and I started hearing more of that genre mm-hmm. um, of, of a little bit more twangy country and then folk um, and then seeing, seeing people live, I think, is really what did it. Um, players uh here in town and i'd see some playing lap steel and some playing pedal steel and being interested in the sound kind of looking closer and and noticing there's a big difference and then asking a little bit about what the difference is and realizing they're they're using their feet and their knees not just their their hands and a a slide so yeah i think that kind of blows people's minds the first time they actually realize how much is going on because you know as a a player, I get that question all the time of like, so well, I see you moving up here, and I'm like, well, yeah, but I've got these pedals and these <laughs> knee levers, and everybody goes like, oh wow, that's that's really a lot. I'm like, yeah, there is. It's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, a lot of people have told me it's. I've never flown a helicopter, but people have told me it's like flying a helicopter because you have to use all your limbs and all your knees. And everything. <laughs> yeah, the changes you can do without even moving your your tone bar is pretty amazing. I think I remember there's one shoot when we shot that video where you're doing all these changes and the and the the camera's on your hand but your hand's just staying right yeah <laughs> they're like that's fake yeah, I, don't exactly. <laughs> I think that's hard for some people to really understand what's going on so also who are some of your favorite steel players that you've been listening to uh l- locally um um yourself and, and paul brainerd are, are two of my favorites to hear and rusty um who uh who play in town here but Rusty um, Blake, uh, Eric Haywood has been. Uh, so, okay, I I really uh, I really like Ray LaMontagne's writing and his records, and that that actually kind of was a, a a transition for me getting into that hearing steel in a genre that wasn't just traditional country. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has that that twang sound, but those are the because mo- I, I just see so many local shows that I I tend to to focus on local players. But um, yeah, there's uh, that 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 country ben queller album uh changing horses i'm not sure who the steel player was on that but that's some yeah shoot i i looked that up a while ago because i really like that record too and i want to steal some of the licks off of it yeah, it's got that real uh, i can't sound. remember his name but yeah um uh, 
Ooh. All right. I'll, I'll think of it later. Maybe I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. Um, so you have been playing Steel now how long? Let's see. About a month and a half. Go, maybe, okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe almost two months. No, I, I got it about a, yeah, about a month and a half ago. So definitely still really, really fresh to it. And so what was it really that attracted you uh, just from loving the sound of the steel to wanting to actually get into playing pedal steel? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, when, you know, when we play locally or, or go on the road, hearing you play it has just, kind of be, you know, gotten me closer to the instrument and, and um, just started to, to love it even that much more. But I think, I think a lot of it came from I've, I've gotten pretty focused on just the singer-songwriter style you know, writing, playing chords. Um, you know, I do a lot of finger picking and, and try to keep things intricate in that way, but really don't, uh, don't have much of a, a lead outlet and, and never have been all that interested in, in uh, guitar, electric guitar lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, loving the sound and then realizing that this could be Obviously, I knew it was going to be a huge challenge, but but a good stretch. I think it's always good to really push yourself in uncomfortable ways. And so I thought, hey, this is a great way to to see see if it. You know, I, I thought I'd have to feel it out, see if I could actually pull it off. But um, to to really give myself a, a chance to try out um, something something totally different and really challenge myself. And and I know that that's always going to come back and and help my my guitar playing and my songwriting as well yeah i i definitely uh think that steel has enhanced my musicality just in terms of the way you sort of have to analyze things a little bit more Mm -hmm. to be able to know i mean on guitar like it's it's sort of easy to fall back on these patterns and on steel you really especially when you're first starting out you really have to kind of find everything for the first time and there aren't as many you know easy patterns to fall into now eventually you'll form your own patterns and then have to challenge yourself to get outside of those yeah which is what i'm working on <laughs> but uh um you know you mentioned uh the finger picking on a on acoustic guitar and i want to ask you a little bit about that because you do something special with your fingernails for that mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that yeah so i um when i first started doing finger style my teacher kind of convinced me to start having have keeping my nails a little bit long um not super long but just a little bit and and i found that to be really helpful were you playing classical at that time or um, just uh, steel string that was classical and then shortly thereafter started with steel string okay and, and still kind of um he still he still kind of pushed me in that direction and so i mean that was when i was 11 or 12 and uh, i'm 27 now so i've had i've had long nails on my right hand ever since mm-hmm. um and then a, a couple, you know, I I go back and forth from from finger picking to strumming, and one thing I notice that I think we've talked about is you know shred shred your your nails on the strings a little bit, and so a couple years back, I got uh, yeah about three years ago, uh, right before a tour, I decided to give it a try to have, to go into a into a nail salon and have uh, have my right hand four fingers on my right hand coated with a, acrylic because I had tried some kind of just things you buy in the store, uh, different products that coat. And my experience was they'll harden your nail. But then when you strum, if you're, if you're scraping the nails along the top of your fingernail that they tend to scrape off. And this was a way that, you know, if I'm loading my gear in the van and I hit my finger and break a nail, you know, that night I have to totally change my technique and sit down and, okay, so that finger isn't going to have the same attack as the others. And, mm-hmm. and this is a way that I can just kind of forget about it a little bit more. I think that it's maybe a little bit more uh shocking when people see it but mm-hmm. but um and strange to go into a nail salon and have them coat my nails but and but how often do you go in and every couple uh, weeks yeah about every three weeks mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was something when i was um first starting pedal steel and i've been playing about 11 years now but when i was f- very first starting i was coming from a guitar background as well and I had played a little bit of classical and I, you know, had done the thing with the nails, having the nails a little longer and shaping them that certain way. And, and so I thought, you know, everybody was saying, well, you got to try these finger picks. And I just thought, eh, I don't want to try finger picks. Mm-hmm. I'll just grow my nails. And so I tried doing that. And um, I considered going and getting acrylic done. I'd heard about that. And eventually it, I just, it just got to be uh, a little too daunting to have to keep up on the fingernail thing all mm-hmm. the time. So I said, all right, well, let me, let me give these picks a try. And, you know, eventually it just sort of becomes part of your 
style and part of your hand and and now when i take the picks off it feels very weird because i feel like i have to dig my fingers deep into the strings to get any sound i feel kind of clumsy you know so so far though on pedal steel you've been playing without picks right yeah i've been trying to switch back and forth i got um some metal picks that are a little bit different than the traditional style where they leave your pad exposed it's kind of like an arc uh, yeah what are those called you know, I can't remember the... I bought kind of some cheaper ones, but I know I know there's... I've, I've been looking at a couple different brands that make... Um, that, I want to say like Pro Pick or something like that. Makes, okay. make Might make a, a couple different models where the leave your pad... Ex, the pad of your finger exposed, the idea being that you get a little bit of that direct feedback from your finger um, where you would normally maybe rest your fingers on the string. Mm-hmm. Um I like it for muting as well, but just having that feedback of knowing exactly where your finger is. And I think, I think like you say, it, that just takes time. You know, if you use the traditional picks and there's that metal between your finger and the string, I think that just takes time to, to mm-hmm. get used to it. But the hardest thing for me, so when I, when, actually when I first got my pedal steel and we had talked about that, you kind of, you can't, you convinced me to, to give it a shot to try the, try the picks and I'd been trying them. And, and for a while there I was thinking maybe I can, just used the picks on on acoustic guitar too and gave that a try and got you know brought my fingernails down pretty short and and tried out a a couple different picks i tried um ultimate guitar pick which is kind of a uh, a rubber holster i don't know how to explain it like it goes around goes around your finger and then the idea is to make it feel like it's your natural fingernail Mm -hmm. Um, and just wasn't able to find anything that really and maybe it is that i just need to take the time to really um give it a try to get used to it like anything but having that extra lever or that extra translation of of um of picking between your finger and the string is is really hard for me and and I've been having I've been having good success with with just using my fingernails you know they're they're long enough that I keep them long enough for just acoustic guitar mm-hmm. that I feel like on the steel it works pretty well I'm still going to keep trying um the the metal picks a little bit because i know most steel players i talk to really think that that's pretty important but yeah kind of one of the things i noticed um when i was first starting out with steel is that well first of all it's, it's a very different community of players than you'll find in guitar where i mean there are so many guitar players and so many people with differing opinions and so many products aimed at guitarists that it's kind of all overwhelming but in steel it's like a, it's a little bit more focused and I feel that because there are, are less of us out there, like the steel players out there really want to help each other out. Um, and I, I definitely found that when I first started playing steel, people were so supportive and wanted to show me things and give me lessons, sometimes for free, or to like, you know, give me a bar, hey, or try this pick, or here, try this, th-, you know. And, uh, and then, you know, and when I discovered the, the steel guitar forum, that's just a great clearinghouse for all those ideas. Yeah. But even just locally here in Portland, there's such a good community of players and, um, you know, there's the steel Portland steel jams, which happen twice a year. And, uh, there's one coming up on May 7th. Okay. Yeah. Um, and one thing I noticed that I really love going to those, those steel jams, not just because they're awesome and, and you get to, you know, hang out with all the players, but just to see the gear that everybody's using Mm -hmm. and to listen to, to, it's kind of awesome to, to listen to 40 different steel players all playing one after another and hear the wild difference in their tone and their setup. Mm-hmm. And then I would kind of listen to the players that I really loved and loved their sound and their, and their tone and look at the gear they were using. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the first few times at the jams, like, you know, Almost everybody was playing Emmons and Showbuds, and almost everybody was using PV amps, and almost everybody was using finger picks. And so I'm going, okay, well, these are the basic things that are probably going to get me in the direction that I want to go, because that's the sound I like. And so I'm going to start with that. Um, And there are players out there who play without picks, and who play, you know, there are lots of different brands of steels and amps, and everybody's got a preference, but it just seemed like there was this kind of basic common thread that I said, okay, well, if I start with these things, then I should be on my way. And it really did help, and I play an Emmons steel now, and I play through an amp, and I play with pick, or PV amp. Mm -hmm. um, Not that I'm not open to experimenting with all those things, because, you know, that's kind of the fun of it, too, but... 
Um, I would suggest, uh, you know, out of the gate, just let your ears be your guide. And if you hear something you like, you know, that's how I ended up buying an Emmons Pushbowl is, you know, I have a recording studio and had this band come in um, called Cowboy Heroes and a guy named Bob Littleton uh, was playing steel for them. And I just loved his tone. We were getting on, on this recording. Um, I'm going like, what are you, what are you using? What do you, what's your signal chain here? And he's going, well, it's just the guitar, the volume pedal and the amp. <laughs> and, and I'm like, it sounds amazing. Like what, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's an Emmons push pull. And then I bought one like the next week because I'm like, I have to try it. You know, it sounds so cool. And it's become my favorite guitar and you know, my main mm-hmm. rig. But you know, that said, of course, a major, major part of the sound is also technique and, and training your hands to produce the sounds that you want to hear. And that, sure. that is something that only you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about your gear because I know you bought a, a, a single neck Sierra. Mm-hmm. And how are you liking it so far? I love it. And actually, I mean, what, what you're just saying about all steel players being so supportive. I mean, when I bought that, it was off eBay, and the guy was, you know, his last few emails were to me were, you know, how's it going? How's the steel coming? You know, don't give up. It's just going to take a lot of practice. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's so cool. The guy I bought my my volume pedal. I bought a, a Hilton uh, a volume pedal from, you know, a guy out in Nashville, and, you know, he, he sent it before he even asked me to send the money, and, you know, just really, and then it was always asking me how it's going and telling me about what he's been doing with steel. So, yeah, it's it's been such a great community, the steel guitar form, you know. Um, yeah, have you been active on there? Have you? I I, I joined and uh, and have. Uh, that's actually how I found the pedal. But other than that, I haven't been. Uh, I haven't been too active. Should get back on there because there's just so much great stuff going on there. Um, but the the guitar, I love it. Um, I don't have a ton to compare it to. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I've been really liking it. Yeah, it's a it's a single a single neck uh, ten string. Um, E9 tuning. Yep. E9 basic tuning. setup. Yeah, right? basic. I mean, I actually only have three knee levers, mm-hmm. um, three pedals, three knee levers. So uh, slightly limited there, but in the beginning stages, it hasn't it hasn't been limiting at all yet. Um, and then I'm running that, uh, like I said, into a Hilton volume pedal. And then right now I'm just using a, a Fender tube amp, a, a Hot Rod Deluxe. So I don't think that's necessarily ideal, but I've been I've been liking the sound so far. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't been treating the sound with too many pedals or anything, um, and uh, but yeah, the the guitar itself is is good. I think a big a big uh, first step for me was figuring out tuning it, and then also the cha- tuning the changes. Yeah. So where did we were talking about that um, right when you got the steel? You had brought it over, and we were talking about tuning. So where did you end up with that? Like what what approach are you taking with tuning? Um. I have a, that uh, Peterson um, Strobosoft tuner on my iPhone, and uh, I got the Peterson adapter to, so that I can plug an output right out of my pedal right into my iPhone and then um, use the, the Peterson tuner there with the, the, the sweetener, if they call it, the tempered tuning for steel, mm-hmm. and that's uh, the E9. And, and so I've been... Um, tuning with that and then um the changes i haven't been messing around with them too much lately um mostly because i'm not playing out i'm just kind of trying to work on my technique and it sounds pretty good so far i'd like before i ever play out i'd like to um maybe check with you or someone else and try to really get it dialed in but so far it's been it's been pretty good and stays in tune pretty well speaking of playing out so you've kind of already got a project going yeah, I'm playing with uh, a, f- a friend of mine who did, um, who uh, he, he goes under the name uh, Latloose Sky, and uh, he just put out a really cool concept album, but it's pretty, it's not traditional, you know, country or folk at all. It's, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, a lot of ambient noise and, and synth, and, but at the core of it is really great songwriting, and like I said, it's a concept album, so there's great ideas that flow through it, and so... Um, I thought it'd be a good uh, a good first step is kind of using the the pedal steel guitar as kind of the, those beautiful swelling. Um, I might treat the sound with heavier reverb, reverb and maybe some delay mm-hmm. um, to kind of, you know, because at this point I've got most of the chords down. I can play all the uh, all the different chords um, and and do the changes pretty well. I think the the biggest step for me is going to be um, being able to 
to come up with good lead ideas and especially in the moment improvise lead ideas and so this will be a good step of playing out in, in a lower pressure situation where I'm more more kind of a, a, a soundscape for the I think that's a really good place to start mm -hmm. actually because um, you get to practice the basics and you get to do it in front of people which is the quickest way to whip anything into shape yeah. <laughs> as you know mm -hmm. I mean when you play in front of people it's way different than than playing you know in your garage or at home mm -hmm. and then I've also been playing with with some guys who are and that's we're playing all traditional country tunes and and that's been really fun so that's that's a low pressure situation and I don't think it's anything that we would ever play out because everybody's so that's just kind of a jam it. situation right yeah yeah there's a mandolin upright bass uh, violin acoustic guitar and then myself on steel and just kind of come up with songs on the day so we're all we're all fresh on them I'll have to learn them all at once and and just kind of um, yeah it's not not something I would want to be doing in front of people <laughs> yeah well you know one other thing um, that we had talked about when you brought the steel over was using the Nashville number system mm -hmm. and this is something that I got turned on to a few years ago um, I was taking some Skype lessons from John McClung who goes by the name uh, Professor Twang <laughs> he was in LA at the time and now he's in uh, Olympia I highly recommend uh, to any anyone listening who wants to especially getting started he's got a great uh, E9 101 course but uh, he turned me on to the Nashville number system. And it's really transformed the way I, I mean, first of all, the way I learn material and the way I chart material. And so we were kind of talking about that because I have, you know, being that I play steel in your band, I have charts for all your songs. So I sent all those charts over to you. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of blew your mind a little bit in terms of like yeah. seeing your music represented that way. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I. It didn't take me too long to, to get turned on to that at all. I mean, once you once you kind of just pointed out why you why you like it, I think it's it's pretty pretty genius. And it seems like most steel players use it, mm -hmm. from what I can tell. And I think, I mean, just being able to have those those repeatable patterns and um, and not have to think uh, every every single time where is that chord and and you know, I guess yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to how to articulate it, but it, it makes so much sense to be able to just um, start to feel those patterns and, um, and make those changes really quick without having to think about it in terms of chords every step of the way. And it's been, it's been really cool from a theory perspective because I think a lot of um, singer-songwriters and, and guitar players um, don't flesh out their, their theory knowledge all that much. And I, I, studied, I took some guitar-specific theory in college and 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 try to um, maintain that side of my plane, but this has been a great way to to push that a little bit further in that direction. And the Nashville number system is such a cool way because, I mean, if you're if you're thinking of uh, if you're just talking chord names all the time, um, it's a little different than and then really focusing on and and thinking about the relationship between all the different the chord characteristics you know mm -hmm. when you're making those changes and and where they are and 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 seeing that it's repeatable to to every key yeah uh, that's one of the things i noticed when i first started using it was that it helped me um see patterns mm -hmm. in songs and similarities between songs that i wasn't seeing before and kind of go like oh well this is just like the chorus of that other song it's just in a different key okay Sure, it's a one four one five. That's easy, but and you know if you're playing a one four one five and you know D flat, you have to think about it a lot more than if you're playing a one four one five in C. But when you when you kind of convert your thinking over to the Nashville number system, you don't have to think more. You just mm -hmm. move up a fret and go on with your life. And that, you know that's, oops, turn that off. That's professional podcasting right there. <laughs> I'll cut out. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's one of the things I really uh, like about the Nashville number system. I think it's it's crystallized my musical thinking a little bit, and um, it's just kind of seeped into a lot of my my other musical tasks as well. And it's changed the way I look at chord progressions and relationships. Um, it's made it easier to get through a lot of material, or you know, put a lot of material into a repertoire all at once. Especially because you know. I have this whole chart system and I can just, you know, put it all on my tablet and there it is, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's that theory is kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit and, and, uh, if you can keep the magic while still 
still yeah. learning how to I think it's been a good balance during doing it on pedal steel because I you know I talked to some people who have got studied music throughout college and uh, and and make the claim that um, that it actually can make songwriting a little bit different and a little bit weird sometimes if you're too too theory oriented so I think it's a it's a good way to to keep that balance yeah I guess so like what do you mean by that um like uh Cameron our our bass player was talking about how he he feels like getting so far into theory in his in his composition studies in college that he um he wishes sometimes he could just forget it and and just feel mm-hmm. feel the songwriting a little bit more rather than having it having to think about all the all the theory changes yeah, I could see that i mean i i there are definitely some artists I've heard where I just go oh they're they're too they're too <laughs> musical like they're too they're like they're, they've gotten so far yeah like yeah like mathy or you know mm-hmm. prog stuff which i mean some of that stuff is really cool but sometimes i listen to it and i just go like well it's gone so far in that direction that it's not really enjoyable to listen to anymore mm-hmm. and that's one of the things i always try to keep in mind is like well this is this is not you know the music i'm playing is not just for me it's it's for an audience and there's a reason that that audience is there and mm-hmm. you know not not saying that you need to dumb things down, but you have to always kind of also approach things not only as a, a a player and a technician, but also as a listener. And like, well, what are the beautiful sounds that you would want to hear? The things that would kind of turn you on as a listener, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think steel just has that beauty in the sound so much, in my opinion, that it, it makes it, you know, however, however much you get into the theory or, you know, how complex the plane is, it's still got this like really... I don't know. For me, it's this really like visceral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very evocative, yeah. emotional sound, and it's uh, a lot of people have said. I mean, especially like in the sacred steel uh, style, it can sound almost exactly like a human voice, mm-hmm. which is you know one of the reasons that strings and violins and you know all that stuff are uh, are considered very emotional and evocative instruments. It's the same thing because it's just a little bit of a a quiver with your bar hand, and you've got this like you know. You're just amping up the emotion of the song, which yeah. it, it's so easy to do and it's so powerful. And that's one of the things that really attracted me to playing pedal steel was like, I was like, man, it's just so, I mean, when it comes in and it's just so perfect, it's like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah, know? totally. And when I started playing steel, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to to grab that emotion and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about like your learning process so far and what you've been working on, um, some resources you've been working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been trying to, uh, there's a lot of great stuff just on YouTube, you know, basic stuff. That's how I, that's how I learned my grips and, um, some really basic stuff, but, um, I, I've tried, been trying to do a balance of a bunch of different stuff. I've been, um, Taking a song that uh, that not necessarily anything that I've even played before um, on guitar, but um, and and plotting it out, um, re- you know, notating down the chords in the in the number system, and then um, there's a great um, pedal steel chord chart that I um, that I've been using. I'm, I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but um, and I, I like that for uh, for finding my way around once I'm once I'm learning a song and, and trying to do a little bit of improvisation. Um, and then, and then just doing some, trying to, trying to emulate some solos, trying to learn, I've learned a couple of Eric Haywood solos, that kind of thing, doing cool. some copy trying to copy exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that can, that can help a little bit because you can, you can look at the tab and hear someone play it and, and basically play it. And it almost, I mean, it's, it doesn't even sound because there's so much it's so subtle and and how you're you know you're feathering that a pedal and when you move and you know if you're doing a change where you're dropping the tone bar down but you're pushing down the pedals so you're doing a raise when are you raising the strings and as in that in that as your bar is descending Mm -hmm. so things like that that are just these these really subtle movements that are really cool to to get into and one of the biggest things as well for me has been um blocking and that was a big surprise for me because i didn't really you know i could because i finger pick so much on guitar you don't think about it all that much and it's it's that mm-hmm. nearly infinite sustain that that will follow you if you're switching strings and even like on on acoustic guitar you know the decay is just so much quicker that 
you can let some of those strings ring and it's, you don't even really notice. And, and on pedal steel, at first when I started playing, I would do that and you don't really, but that, you don't really notice it right away, but you start to get this really intense buildup. Yeah. And it just, if you really focus and do the same line blocking really well, um, you just get such a, a cleaner sound and, and you kind of go, oh, that's that's how they're doing it, you know, if you're trying yeah. to emulate someone who's been playing. I think it's almost how, like, if uh, when you're uh, playing piano, if you just hold the sustain pedal down the whole time, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds kind of cool, but you're going to get all these notes bleeding over that are causing sort of unpleasant intervals. Mm-hmm. And it's because it has that long sustain. And yeah, I mean, that's not something I ever think about when I play banjo. Right. For instance, which has very little sustain. Right. But with steel, you have to pay so much attention to that. And I think it's also important because there's so much going on. Uh, like, you have to know exactly where you are with your right hand. And if you hit the wrong string, it's like, man, it's over. <laughs> like, because if you hit the wrong string, I mean, sometimes you'll get lucky and it's like, okay, well, it's just a seventh or whatever. And it works. But most of the time, it's like instant train wreck. <laughs> right. And so there's so much going on, so much attention that you have to pay to just the right hand in terms of technique. And I think that's something that when I first started out, I didn't realize. I just thought, okay, well, you just, you know, it's just making the sounds and it's all about the bar and the pedals. And mm-hmm. But it really is, the more you pay attention to the right hand, first of all, you're going to get a better tone. And even, even talking about where you place the right hand, like between, mm-hmm. you know, closer to the bridge closer to the 15th fret or any in, the, in that area, you're going to get a very different tone. And uh, yeah, I think that right hand stuff is uh, really important. I know I've recommended the right hand alpha course. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of right hand stuff are you working on now as far as blocking? You doing palm blocking or pick blocking? I'm doing pretty much only pick blocking. Um, and I, at the beginning, I tried to do, tried to do both. And I've just, I've just run into the majority of the people that I've, that I've seen playing or, or kind of recommending a style. It sounds like the more modern style is a, is a pick blocking technique and asking local players that sound like and watching them play that do almost exclusive pick blocking. But yet, you know, if you're doing a big jump in strings, you, you can't always cover your tracks if you're making a quick move, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. You know, moving from your, your 10, 8, 6 grip somewhere in there all the way up to, you know, 3, 4, 5. Um, Unless, as you slide your bar up, that your thumb is blocking those strings, it, you can get a lot of uh, a lot of ringing. And if you're trying to just pick block, it can really slow you down that way. So, you know, from the little limited knowledge I have, it it seems like um, a little bit of palm blocking, but mostly pick blocking is is going to be mm-hmm. what what I pursue. But I know you do you do both and kind of see the value in both. Yeah, and it it kind of uh, I worked on them both separately. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. then they just sort of naturally kind of combine together. That's as, probably a really good way to go. As sort of your, you know, you kind of put it into your bag of tricks, and then it it just comes out when you need it. And I don't, I don't even really like while I'm playing on stage or something. I don't even really think about, well, am I going to pick block now? Or am I? you <laughs> yeah. just do it. And you know, there's also as we were talking about when you were here at the uh, the blocking that happens with your left hand, where you mm-hmm. have the tip of your middle finger past the end of the bar. Sometimes your thumb comes into play, mm-hmm. and all that stuff can really help. One thing I, I tried when I was um, really working on a lot of right hand technique in my practice was um, to practice without reverb, oh, okay. and to practice with headphones, where I would just you know I have like a little M box interface. And I would just go line in, sometimes even without the volume pedal, depending on what I was working on. Mm-hmm. Just go line in and listen on headphones because you can hear all these little extra details that are going to get covered up by, you know, playing with tracks or playing with an, through an amp with reverb and stuff happening in the room. Just listening in headphones as isolated as, you know, it's, it's a very boring sound, but it's really good for kind of isolating and hearing, you know, like I was hearing these extra chimes and harmonics that I didn't intend. Mm-hmm. I was hearing when my, you know, the sound of the pick coming in contact with the string and figuring out how to time that so that it sure. would be covered up by the next note starting. And it, it really kind of improved uh, the clarity, I mm-hmm. think, of my right hand uh, technique. So that's something I'd recommend. Yeah, between reverb and the volume pedal, I think getting on it as a beginner, it can be a little bit dangerous to not uh, really examine what what you're actually playing. Yeah, because yeah. reverb covers up a lot of errors. I mean, just mm-hmm. like distortion when you're playing electric guitar, it covers up so much stuff that you can get away with where 
I mean, you really want to have your technique as clean as possible. So even while you're playing through reverb or distortion, you're still putting putting a good input into it right. and really controlling. I mean, it's all about control, especially in the right hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to ask you about uh, what your goals are on the pedal seal, and like specifically in the next year or so, what do you what do you hope to accomplish? I would really like to. I mean, within the next within the next two months, I'm going to be playing live, whether I like it or not. So that's that's something that I've I've got to push for, which is good. It's good to have those kind of pressure situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to be able to do you know be be soloing and playing a little bit more of a traditional country style, um, somewhat comfortably within within i don't know six months or a year i'm not sure what is realistic um depending on how much i'm working on it but another thing for steel that was that i kind of made me make the jump to get into it too is most of my music actually all all of my music experiences um as the songwriter um performing singing singing the songs um you know bringing a band along sometimes solo and it's a total different experience than um, showing up to a gig and and playing with uh, with other people and just focusing on one instrument and you didn't necessarily have to book it you're not necessarily responsible for every aspect of the production of the show and mm-hmm. and so I think that that can just be so fun and really really change the relationship you have with the other musicians too in, yeah. in a really positive way rather than it being so thinking about my vocals and my my guitar and the songwriting and and uh, gets and a how many people are in the room? Exactly. And yeah. Are we going to be able to cover the cost of the sound guy? Yeah. Right. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to uh, and to be able to play with uh, different different groups, as as when it's just my music, I can only play so much live around town or or, or on the road, and so mm-hmm. to be able to take more live gigs with with other bands, I think it's it's only going to help my my guitar playing as well. But but as a steel player, it's going to be. I th- I, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to being able to to start to play with other people and and it's such yeah to be able to record too Mm -hmm. eventually yeah it'll be interesting to see i've noticed that um you know i i play a number of instruments now and and pedal steel is definitely my main one but i always notice that when i start to find a new technique or a new um a new new territory on one instrument like some new melody or some little thing where i'm like oh i really like the sound of the uh you know the minor seven not with an add you know add two or add nine on it that that'll start to filter into all, all the other instruments too and i'll i'll go well how can i find that on steel how can i find that on guitar how can i find that on banjo and it starts kind of seeping into the to the other uh music and i think it's also cool being that you know you've got kind of your singer songwriter style and your the bands that you're playing with are not necessarily that style at right. all so it'll be interesting to see how that comes back around and affects you know your future output mm-hmm. in terms of your songwriting or, or, or if it does at all you mm-hmm. know? yeah because i mean if you're just if you're just strumming away on chords or, or picking whatever you know whatever it can get a little bit a little bit stale a little bit limiting sometimes and so i think it's going to be yeah to to be to hear all those all those different intervals yeah like you said and those different licks i think it yeah it's going to be it already has been really really cool and, and stretched my thinking and and uh, you know, like I was saying in the beginning, just kind of making that transition from chords and uh, and kind of the rhythm guitar, um, which is natural as as the songwriter and the singer, uh, to to thinking about lead uh, lead ideas. And you know, you're not necessarily playing every chord, and you're not necessarily even playing the notes. You know, those you're not playing the root of every chord that's being played by the rest of the band, and mm-hmm. and just sitting, you know, sitting by myself, and I'm starting to hear those types of ideas now, and that's just been really cool to kind of stretch my my musical brain in a whole new direction. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's one thing that is, you know, as a, as a kind of a lead player or you know, pedal steel kind of treads that line between it can be a pad, it can be a lead, it mm-hmm. can just be this sort of transitional thing you know i mean this is an exaggeration but one of the rules of thumb of steel playing is uh if the singer's mouth is moving don't play you know which i mean of course that's an exaggeration because you can do all kinds of pads and things Mm -hmm. but when as far as stepping out and and taking a melodic lead or doing a fill it's like you really have to start to think about the contours of the song in a very different way and i think that is especially interesting for you as the as the singer songwriter in most cases where that's you, you know? Right. So now you're going to be responding to 
someone else in that role. So yeah. I think that that'll be an interesting exercise. And yeah, challenging, but always, always it's, beneficial. It's, yeah. And it's kind of hard at first, I got to say, to not play. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just to, to pick your moments. And because at first you just want to play every chord and kind of move around and feel, you know, and it, you have to, it takes a lot of restraint <laughs> actually to play yeah. this deal well, because if you just slop it all over everything, it's, it's like like putting too much salt in a soup or something. You're like, well, it was great at first, but now I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's another aspect of uh, of playing. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. Um, do you want to plug your website and talk about your albums on iTunes? And- sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do uh, kind of a, a folk Americana style. Um, Brian's all over the the latest record, um, and so. You, definitely want to check that out if you're if you're into steel and um brian does a really great job of uh putting putting steel onto uh stuff that's not necessarily just traditional country and doing it in such a tasteful way um that some of those songs have more of the twangy sound and some of them you know there's some where it's doubled and he's using an ebo and some distortion on there so it's a cool way to see kind of different approaches to to the pedal steel and that was that was really cool for me to to be in the studio with that so um yeah my, my name is uh matt and then the last name is buto b-u-e-t-o-w and it's just that one word uh mattbuto.com and you can check out uh, the latest album and see shows and uh up and down the west coast uh and mostly here in portland so let's pick a song to go out with uh maybe one of the the less twangy ones what's a good one sure let's see um how about you won't Okay, yeah, that's the one I was thinking too. Yeah. All right, so this is uh, You Won't from Matt Buto. Thanks for listening. Sunshine, turning everything pasty white, melting even the coldest eyes. Skin brown as a bruise.
Thanks for listening to the Pedal Steel Podcast. For show notes, check out pedalsteelpodcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through PayPal at pedalsteelpodcast at gmail.com, which is also where you can email me your ideas for the show, uh, original music to be featured, and please leave an iTunes review. And if you're on Facebook, go ahead and search for the Pedal Steel Podcast and give us a like. Thanks, and happy stealing. <laughs>